0: Over to our Hammerhead hotline we go. Our very good friend Brian Newbert from GoldenBlack.com is with us. Nobody does it better than this guy, I'll tell you what. Uh, He covers uh, so much from everything from uh, recruiting to, uh, you know, the teams themselves over there at uh, Golden Black. So, Brian, always a pleasure to have you on. A uh, big win last night for Purdue. uh, Coming out for the first time as the number 2 ranked team in the country. I I know that's an undermanned Florida State team last night, but, I don't know that if they have those couple of players that they're missing, that that makes enough of a, dis, uh, a difference. Um, I think Purdue still wins that one regardless. They, they really showed off last night.
1: Yeah, I think that playing small actually kind of helped Florida State a little bit. Um, and it wasn't like it was the two bigs who killed them anyway. It was pretty much, pretty much the total package that really hurt them from a defensive perspective. So I'm not sure, you know, I'm I suspect the game probably would have been a little bit closer had Florida State been hold, but it certainly wouldn't have shifted the outcome. I think, uh, you know, what you saw yesterday was just a really, really formidable offensive basketball team in Purdue that seems to be clicking on all cylinders, so to speak right now. I mean, they've got every piece in place here. I don't think Purdue wants for anything, you know, from an offensive perspective and to put 93 on Florida State, um <clears throat> you know, if you can put 93 on Florida State, you can put 93 on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put it that way. And, uh, you know, what was funny about it was I didn't think this was Purdue's best offensive game by any stretch of the imagination. I thought their passing and their catching was a little bit shakier than it has been in a lot of games this season. I thought they faced more resistance in their initial offense than they did in just about any other game this season, perhaps short of the first 10 minutes of the second half against Villanova, but they just have so many options and they have so many avenues for offense when things might not work between the offensive glass and what they can do in transition. And the fact they've got playmakers out there now who can make plays at the end of shot clocks. You saw what, obviously everybody knows what Jaden Ivey can do. Travion Williams made a bunch of plays off the dribble. Um, You know, Caleb first has the, has this strange knack for just kind of showing up to do something, and they found him at the end of the shot clock a couple times. Purdue just—they're just, they're just an, an awesome, awesome, um, you know, offensive basketball team. And when I say awesome, I don't mean cool; I mean formidable. They've just got every—they've got everything you can want, you know, from an offensive perspective. I think, and I think you saw all of it on display last night.
0: And uh, I, I know you—you uh, know—you're you're at the games, but on the broadcast, uh, they go to the—I can't remember who said it at the halftime, but. Uh uh they were back in the studios ESPN calling it uh, Noah's ark i mean they've got two of everything it, it seems like so um even if uh you know you're slacking from one person in that position there's somebody to, to to come up and do the exact same role it almost seems like uh such a whole team i've been so scared to say hey this could be the number one team in the country because uh you know one i, I think as fans we can kind of uh, we, we overlook a few things sometimes and, and and we wish and we want but watching this game and, and watching the last couple um, especially uh, from from the tournament weekend here, I, I feel I actually feel pretty confident saying, yeah, I, I think Purdue is not only the number one team in the country, but I, it's not by default. I, I really think that just about anybody else in the country can line up and and be beaten by the Boilers right now.
1: Yeah, to follow up on the ESPN comment about Purdue has two of everything—that's a cute comment—but they don't have two jade ivies. So I don't think there's. <laughs> I don't think there are two Jaden Ivey's in all of college basketball. So that's the one spot where, you know.
0: All right, so he's Noah. That's fine. Everything else is the arc. We'll go with that. You have
1: one player who is just a supremely talented, rare, you know, once every 20, 30 years type of player for Purdue. And that's really the guy who's brought it all together Uh, because Purdue has had teams before where um, you've had the size and you've had the shooting and all of that stuff. You've had the experience. You've executed at a high level systematically but you haven't had that really dynamic lead guard and that and that creative scorer who um makes good decisions with the ball when he gets when he gets extra attention and that's really what's brought the whole thing together has been jade Ivey. ivy um but to your point about purdue being uh the best team in college basketball i, I don't know about any of that stuff i just know that <clears throat> when a team's winning i try to look for like the red flags like What's bubbling up under the surface here that can get this team beat? What are the real concerns here? And you got to look really hard at this team. Um, If you look at that game last night, as I said before, I didn't think that this was their best offensive game, and they still still scored ninety three points. I think you know turnovers. They're a little casual with the basketball a few times. A lot of unforced stuff. Um, They got to be really careful with that. They got to get better defensively still, but as I said before, this team doesn't want for anything from an offensive perspective. They are an elite offensive basketball team. Their experience is showing their continuity from last season is showing this was the savviest offensive game I thought they played this year because, because so many of their guys were able to play off shot fakes, make the right passes, you know, things like that, make pull up jumpers off of really aggressive closeouts and if you're going to burn people's aggressiveness when they're aggressiveness when they're aggressive against you, um, I don't know what you do against this team from a defensive perspective. Um, so I don't know if they're number one team in the country or not. They will be Monday if they beat Iowa. I'm quite certain. But there are a lot of great, you know, college basketball teams out there. It is still kind of warped reality season two a little bit, where for some of these teams things are going to change a little bit when they get to the conference play and whatnot. Um, I don't anticipate that happening with Purdue. I think Purdue's built to last here. Um, That's what I mean when I say that I don't see anything bubbling up under the surface here that you know, all of a sudden it's going to turn into a pumpkin on Purdue overnight. I think Purdue is absolutely positively built to last, and they're one of the best teams in college basketball right now, and I think they'll be one of the best teams in college basketball for the entirety of the next two or three months.
0: I think they stay at the top of the Big Ten standings here for a while, or at least they're they're in that top three or four. Uh, we have been kind of theorizing on is there anybody in the Big Ten that can you know push Purdue, can beat Purdue? Uh, obviously, I think there's going to be there's going to be a night somewhere in the Big Ten where you know Purdue just doesn't have it. somebody just brings something and uh, and they get a you know a, a win against the Boilermakers. But when you take a look at who should be at the top of the Big Ten standings with Purdue. Uh, what other teams do you think pose the biggest threat to Purdue uh, winning a Big Ten title?
1: Well, I know Michigan hasn't been what everybody thought Michigan would be so far, but I just look at their talent level and the fact that they've got Hunter Dickinson, who's a guy who can, you know, who can control a game from the interior, who can give Purdue problems when when they play head to head, and I would I would still look at them. Um, I don't think was sustainable because I don't know if they're going to be able to guard at a Big Ten championship level. I don't know if Wisconsin's um, sustainable because I don't know if they're going to be able to score at a Big Ten championship level. Uh, I don't know about Illinois. There's something really missing with them uh, in terms of them kind of replacing Io from last season. Not trying to replace him, but just trying to trying to function as a team without him. Andre Corbello's had his ups and downs this season. Their backcourt's been a little bit all over the place. Obviously they've had some injuries here uh lately, but I, I just don't see it necessarily from them right now. Ohio State obviously had a huge win the other day. I don't know about them from a from a from a scoring perspective either. Um, I just think Purdue is head and shoulders better offensively um than everybody else in the Big Ten other than maybe Michigan I think they can be a really good offensive team right now they're not nearly as good as Purdue but I think in time as their freshmen uh start to get onboarded a little bit better I think they have the potential uh to be a relatively close second from an offensive perspective um but the test for Purdue here is going to be you know, it always comes down to, it's a long college basketball season. There are going to be ups and downs. Purdue's going to lose games. Purdue's going to have bad games. Purdue's going to have bad weeks. Probably. That's just what history tells us is inevitable. But what's going to determine things for Purdue here is what's going to happen when you have to beat somebody, uh, you know, 72 to 67 instead of 93 to, you know, 70 something. Um, because that's the nature of big time basketball. It's going to be lower possessions. It's going to be lower tempo. Teams are going to be better defensively. The scouting is going to be better. Again, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do against Purdue, but they'll figure something out to try. And some of that stuff might work. Uh, there might be bad nights. Eventually, Purdue might actually not shoot the ball at a really high level. Uh, I keep saying that, but it, it keeps not happening. Um, <laughs> but you don't necessarily win Big Ten titles just by beating Michigan and Illinois and Michigan State and all the other people up at the top of the league. You win Big Ten titles by not. You know, falling asleep on a Wednesday night at 9 p.m. at Wisconsin when you're a heavy favorite or something like that, like Purdue did a few years ago. You don't go lose at Nebraska like Purdue did a couple years ago. Things like that. It's about consistency from week to week here and, you know, Purdue being the best team it can be every single time it plays or at least something close to it. Um, so Purdue's consistency has been pretty, uh, has been pretty significant here thus far, but it is a long season and there's going to be a lot of, a lot of tests of that ahead here
0: talking with Brian Newbert from goldenblack.com here on our Hammerhead Hotline. Uh, I want to switch over to uh, football here for just a moment because it is transfer portal season, uh, a big one for Purdue heading into the portal, and that was uh, Jack Plummer uh, the other day. I, I don't know if that's wholly surprising to most fans if you're paying attention. I, I know a lot of folks have the questions about Aiden O'Connell. Will he come back for that uh, uh, final year with, with the COVID uh, you know year that he can use? Can fans now infer that maybe the O'Connell decision has been made and that's why Jack is going? Or do you think even if O'Connell wasn't you know, coming back that Jack probably would have made this decision?
1: I would not link the two at this point. I know it looks like there's direct causation there, but I, I would not think that Aiden O'Connell, if he has made a decision one way or another and he has not indicated one way or another that he has, I, I don't think, you know, he, he would keep the other quarterback in the loop to help him make his decision whether to stay at Purdue or not. I think that you know Jack Plummer's time at Purdue hasn't been you know a straight line uh I think once you've once you've gotten a job and lost a job twice, I think you know that there's probably a certain level of hey, let's go try something different here um I think he's a good quarterback you know i I don't know if he was always the best fit for what Purdue wanted to do offensively. I think Purdue probably made some efforts to tailor what they do offensively to him. I don't know if it ever necessarily clicked. He certainly had some some really good moments at Purdue. Uh, I always thought he was a player Purdue could win with, but when you look at what happened when Aiden O'Connell replaced him as the quarterback, all of a sudden things started happening. I don't necessarily mean all positive things, um, although obviously Aiden O'Connell went on to have a great season, but right away, you know, Things started happening. The offense started moving. Things got a little more compelling. It wasn't quite that sort of stagnating offense that it was before. I think Aiden O'Connell is a better fit for what Purdue philosophically wants to do in terms of dropping back and throwing the ball up the field. Um, I thought them trying to use Jack Plummer more as a runner when he was a starting quarterback, I don't know if that, anything ever really came out of that. I think that was a big reason why he got the job in the first place. But I think, you know, I think Jack Plummer's a guy who can go a lot of places and be a starting quarterback and and probably win and, you know, I don't blame him one bit for going to look for something different. But I wouldn't necessarily say, uh, at this point that this is an indication that Aiden O'Connell's coming back. I think obviously Purdue will want Aiden O'Connell coming back. I think you can make a strong case that that would be a that would be a good move for him if that's where he is in his life where he wants to he wants to spend another year in college. Um but I don't think that's been uh I don't think that's been formalized yet.
0: Brian Newbert, goldenblack.com. Look, this is the kind of stuff you can get when you're a subscriber over there. They do have great free content, but you know Brian along with Tom and Alan do such a great job uh, with all the articles uh, the podcasts, too, when they let uh, our friend Kyle Chargers come on as well. I, look, it's it's great, great, great content. These guys really know what they're doing. Ain't nobody better than Brian Newbert here. Buddy, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. I really mean that. Thank you so much for dropping the good knowledge on us, and uh, we'll have you back on again soon, all right?
1: No problem, Jared. Thanks for having me.
0: Take care, Brian. All right, we got a break. Coach Tony Erslin is coming up next. Purdue Wrestling off to a hot start. They're ranked, and they got a big uh, invite out in Las Vegas this weekend. So we'll talk with Coach. He's coming up next here on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer. 1017 The Hammer.